Welcome to the Essentials Podcast. Maddie Flint here. And in this episode, I'm going to give you a little overview on the week ahead according to what Jesus was doing for those days leading up to his crucifixion and resurrection, and why I think that this week in between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday is so special and historically important and, and spiritually significant. Like, there's so many different reasons why this week means so much. And there are just a couple of points I'd like to make, some things I'd like to highlight before I get into my little historical timeline. Um, but the main one is that leading up to Easter, these days, at least to me, I mean, this is personal, but I, I know a lot of people would agree. A lot of people are going to disagree too, but those days leading up to Easter feel so much holier than the days before Christmas. Even, And this is not me saying that Christmas is in any way not holy, not an important holiday, but the celebration of Christmas as a party does have roots in the Latin celebration Saturnalia. This event was a pagan festival held in mid-December to celebrate the winter solstice and to honor their god Saturn. They did wreath-making, gift-giving, it was a very joyous and probably super fun time, but that was not the Christian celebration. That wasn't until Pope Julius I chose December 25th in 336 AD as the date when Christians would celebrate Christmas in effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival. And so that day has remained all these centuries later. So Christmas is a very festive time of year. It's a homogenous mixture of prayer, worship, scripture, Bible reading, celebrating Jesus' birth, and learning about the significance of Mary, Joseph, and what happened at the Nativity. And these are things that Christians focus on. But then, of course, there's some other things that nearly everyone who celebrates Christmas does. The tree, the decorations, the baking, the giving gifts, the lighting candles, schools and workplaces taking weeks off, a lot of Christmas-themed music, and of course, Santa Claus. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I partake in them too. Christmas is a season of warmth, as it is in winter, so everybody wants to get warm anyway. And that I'm going to talk about that in a second, but... Where these holidays occur seasonally also has a lot to do with how people feel about them, I think. But back to Christmas, it is a holiday that stems from two different versions of festive celebrations. And, and now we're seeing it's so highly commercialized. It's just the markets go crazy months in advance. So people are worried about buying and buying and buying and they've got to make Christmas happen. And the world just moves so quickly that it can feel overwhelming. But that doesn't happen with Easter. Easter is in the spring, first off, and usually it gets warmer by the time we have Easter Sunday. And seasonal depression is a very, very real thing. It's so hard to be outside when it's just uncomfortable, it's cold, the trees are very bare, and things are very gray, It's nothing's very vibrant outside, it's hard to be encouraged, inspired, I don't know, it's just, it's, I suffer from it, but that symbolism of moving into spring where everything begins to look up and it begins to be warmer outside which is already a great thing and then we have our beautiful flowers they start to bloom the sun angle changes and speaking of sun angle a lot of churches will host a sunrise service which is symbolic of christ rising from the dead and and the whole the power of the resurrection so by having their service at sunrise 
the significance and the symbolism in the sun shining through and usually the churches have like a giant window in the front which is historically a part of church structure and that has remained all these years later also that I, I really appreciate that architectural feature the sun is going to shine through that and it's so bright and it's just gorgeous and and we also associate a shining bright light with power and heaven and goodness and Jesus even. So that's very important. So along with it being um, a seasonal thing and with it being very symbolic of spring and the resurrection and everything, Easter is not really as commercialized as Christmas. Like, yes, there's the Easter Bunny. Some people choose to do that with their children. It is very traditional. It actually is a German Anglo-Saxon tradition, but I won't get too far into that. The holiday itself is celebrating the resurrection, and the world has definitely tried to marginalize it. Not that Christmas is unimportant, but Christ coming back to life after death and fighting spiritual battles to pave a way for us to get eternal life in heaven is really how we can even be Christian. Without Jesus and the ultimate sacrifice of death, it would not be possible for us to have all of our sins forgiven and to be able to reside with our Creator forever. And that is so pivotal, really. He died and rose again, and, and that is how we can get to heaven. How can you commercialize that? You'd have to take the meaning away, and the reason people celebrate Easter is usually to celebrate the resurrection. So it's just kind of remained unaffected, uninfluenced by modern, commercialized, fast-paced society. It's just remained as this very sacred, holy day that Christians all over the world can't wait for because of how important that meaning is to them. So now I'm going to transition to the part of this episode where it's a historical breakdown or a walkthrough of what Jesus was doing day to day throughout Holy Week, starting with Palm Sunday, which at the time that I'm recording this was five days ago, and today is April 6th. That's going to change from year to year, but that's okay because everything's been really messed up since the original Easter happened. So on day one, and this would be considered Palm Sunday, Jesus made a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, knowing that soon he would lay down his life for our sins. So he sent two of his disciples ahead, telling them to look for a donkey and its unbroken colt, and the disciples were instructed to untie the animals and bring them to him. Then Jesus sat on the young donkey and slowly, humbly made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, fulfilling the ancient prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 which reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your kingdom comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And there were crowds and crowds of people that were waiting for him, and they welcomed him by waving palm branches in the air and shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And so everybody there was so eager to see him. They loved him so much they couldn't wait. And then on Palm Sunday, Jesus and his disciples spent the night in Bethany, a town about two miles east of Jerusalem. And this is where Lazarus, 
who Jesus had raised from the dead, and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, lived. And they were very close friends of Jesus, and they probably hosted him and his disciples during their final days in Jerusalem. Day two. On Monday, Jesus clears the temple. So the following morning, Jesus returned with his disciples to Jerusalem, and along the way he cursed a fig tree because it had failed to bear fruit. So there are some scholars who believe that this cursing of the fig tree might represent God's judgment on the spiritually dead religious leaders of Israel. Others believe the symbolism extended to all believers, demonstrating that genuine faith is a whole lot more than just being religious, because religion and faith are two very different things. Faith relates to personal experiences. This is what you want to make sure is right between you and God. Your faith matters so much that going to church would be okay, but it can't supplement for the lack of faith that you have in Jesus Christ. And faith really is that complete trust and confidence, whereas religion is a specific belief system it's organizational, it's centered around worshiping a divine being, so it would be centered around worshiping God, but religions a lot of the time are based on biblical interpretations by man. And so all of these different denominations branch off of that and it, they become organized in a certain structure that emphasizes what they take away from the Bible. So that is why having faith is so important. So back to what Jesus was doing. He had arrived at the temple. He found the courts full of corrupt money changers, and he began overturning their tables and clearing the temple, saying, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Luke 19, 46. On Monday evening, Jesus stayed in Bethany again, probably in the home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. On day three, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives. On Tuesday morning, Jesus and his disciples returned to Jerusalem. They passed the withered fig tree on their way, and Jesus spoke to his companions about the importance of faith. So, back at the temple, religious leaders were upset at Jesus for establishing himself as a spiritual authority, so they organized an ambush with the intent to place him under arrest. But Jesus evaded their traps and pronounced harsh judgment on them. And then later that afternoon, Jesus left the city and went with his disciples to the Mount of Olives, which sits due east of the temple and overlooks Jerusalem. So Jesus would give an elaborate prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the age. He speaks, as usual, in parables, using symbolic language about the end times events, including his second coming and the final judgment. So after a tiring day of confrontation and warnings about the future, once again, Jesus and his disciples return to Bethany to stay the night. Day 4, Holy Wednesday, and... The Bible doesn't say what the Lord did on the Wednesday of Passion Week. Scholars speculate that after two exhausting days in Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples probably spent the day resting in anticipation of Passover. Just a short time previously, Jesus had revealed to the disciples and the world that he had power over death by raising Lazarus from the grave. 
And after seeing this miracle, many people in Bethany believed that Jesus was in fact the Son of God and put their faith in him. And a few nights prior to that, Lazarus's sister Mary had lovingly anointed the feet of Jesus with very expensive perfume. Now that brings us to day five, Passover and the Last Supper on Maundy Thursday. From Bethany, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead to the upper room in Jerusalem to make the preparations for the Passover feast. That evening, after sunset, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples as they prepared to share in the Passover. And this was a very humble act of service. And by performing those acts, Jesus demonstrated by example how believers should love one another. And then Jesus shared the feast of Passover with his disciples saying, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Luke 22, 15, and 16. As the Lamb of God, Jesus was about to fulfill the meaning of Passover by giving his body to be broken and his blood to be shed in sacrifice, freeing us from sin and death. During this Last Supper, Jesus established the Lord's Supper or Communion, instructing his followers to continually remember his sacrifice by sharing in the elements of bread and wine. So after dinner, Jesus and the disciples left that upper room and they went out to the garden where Jesus prayed in agony to God the Father. Luke's Gospel says that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And late that evening, Jesus was betrayed with a kiss by Judas and arrested. He was taken to the home of a high priest where the whole council had gathered to begin making their case against Jesus. So as this whole trial is underway, Peter denied knowing his master three times before the rooster crowed. So things are really beginning to heat up and it's very serious and very dire. And now we're on day six, and this is trial, crucifixion, death, and burial on Good Friday. Good Friday is the most difficult day of Passion Week. Christ's journey turned treacherous and acutely painful in these final hours leading to his death. Now, according to scripture, Judas, the disciple who had betrayed Jesus, was overcome with remorse and hanged himself early Friday morning. Meanwhile, before the third hour, which would be 9 a.m., Jesus endured the shame of false accusations, condemnation, mockery, beatings, and abandonment. After multiple unlawful trials, he was sentenced to death by crucifixion, one of the most horrible and disgraceful methods of capital punishment known at the time. But before Christ was led away, soldiers spat on him tormented and mocked him and pierced him with a crown of thorns. And then Jesus carried his own cross to Calvary, where again he was mocked and insulted as Roman soldiers nailed him to the wooden cross. So then Jesus spoke seven final statements from the cross. His first words were, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And his last words were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Then about the ninth hour, Jesus breathed his last breath and died. By 6 p.m. Friday evening, Jesus' body was taken down from the cross and laid in a tomb. Saturday in the tomb, day seven, 
Jesus' body lay in its tomb where it was guarded by Roman soldiers throughout the day, which was the Sabbath. When the Sabbath ended at 6 p.m., Christ's body was ceremonially treated for burial with a variety of spices, um, perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes, and these things followed Jewish burial custom, so this was very procedural. Jesus was wrapped with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth, and you can read more about that in John 19, 39 to 40. So there were two men who had lived as secret followers of Jesus, and they were afraid to make a public profession of faith because of their prominent positions in the Jewish community. And they were both very deeply affected by Christ's death, so they boldly came out of hiding, risking their reputations and their lives because they had come to realize that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Messiah. And together, they were the ones to care for Jesus' body and prepare it for burial. And this is all happening to his physical body that lay in the tomb. Spiritually, Jesus was paying the penalty for sin by offering the perfect spotless sacrifice. He conquered death both physically and spiritually, securing our eternal salvation. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. 1 Peter 1.18.19 So this carries us all the way to day 8, which is Resurrection Sunday. On Resurrection Sunday, or Easter, we reach the culmination of Holy Week. This is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it is the most important event of the Christian faith. This is the very foundation of all Christian doctrine. It hinges on this truth. So early Sunday morning, several women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, uh, a few others, they went to the tomb and they discovered that the large stone covering the entrance had been rolled away. And an angel announced, do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Matthew 28, 5, 6. On the day of his resurrection, Jesus Christ made at least five appearances. Mark's gospel says the first person to see him was Mary Magdalene. Jesus also appeared to Peter, to, to the two disciples on the road, and later that day, to all of the disciples except Thomas, while they were gathered in a house for prayer. The eyewitness accounts in the Gospels provide what Christians believe to be undeniable evidence that the resurrection of Christ did indeed happen. Two millennia after his death, followers of Christ still flocked to Jerusalem to see the empty tomb. So that was a very, very tumultuous week. That all happened in just one week. and. No words can really summarize and describe the amount of suffering and agony that Jesus went through in order to bring us salvation like that. It wasn't just easy. He didn't just die and breathe his last breath and then wake up and float up to heaven. There was a very, very heavy and difficult spiritual battle that he had to go through first. So this is why this whole week is so holy and so sacred and the fact that it's still being recognized 
2023, I think is highly striking and powerful. So that is going to conclude this episode. Um, I got the majority of that entire story from learningreligions.com slash holyweek-timeline. I could probably add a link in the description. I think that that source um, summarized the whole story in a fairly easily understandable way, and it was pretty concise. So, And if you'd like, all the scriptures are also listed at the end of those sections so that you can take a further look into it if you want. But I wish all of you a very happy and joyous Easter, um, or all the days leading up to it. I hope they're wonderful if you're listening to this Friday or Saturday. I don't know when you might find it. Maybe you'll find it after Easter. And in that case, I hope your Easter was wonderful. And thank you again for listening. I always appreciate it from every single one of you. And while you're here, be sure to check out all the other great podcasters that have their work up right here on the BMG Network.